You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Well, good morning, my brothers and sisters. This is not at all the way we anticipated using this new technology, but I think that this is a good and faithful way for us to proceed at this time and uh, to be trusted and trustworthy uh, in our community. So uh, let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Gracious Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be together here in this place, even for me who cannot be here this morning, but am watching myself from home right now. Um, it's amazing that we can all be gathered virtually when we cannot be gathered in person. Lord, when the world would isolate us and keep us apart, you always provide a way to assemble your people. Your word convenes us, gathers us from the four winds around the truth that is proclaimed there. Bless us, Lord, as we now reflect upon it and complete our Advent preparations, awaiting anxiously and with great anticipation the coming of your Son. It is in his name that we pray these things, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to begin our reflection this morning uh, in our first reading, our Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel. And in this reading, David's kingdom finally is established. You have to remember the long backstory to really understand the importance of what he is doing here. Because we have followed David from his childhood, where he was a nearly passed over son of Jesse, chosen by God and called out. And now, well now, he has fought Goliath and after years of exile, ascended to the throne, replacing the king Saul, who lost his mind and betrayed God. And now, now he's finally done defending his new kingdom against all these foreign comers. And now, now established, he can give something back to God. He wants to build something for God. He's looking around saying, why should I be living in a house of beautiful woodwork, much like the sanctuary around us? Why should I live in a house like that when God has to live in a tent? I'm going to build something amazing for God as a thank offering for all that he has done for me. And God, God doesn't, through the prophet Nathan, doesn't tell him his impulse is bad, but he does say something to him. He says, you know what? I've never had to live in a tent. I've never had to live in a house to accomplish my great purposes in salvation. I rescued the people from Egypt without a house. 
And I took you through all that you've been through without a house. What makes you think I need a house now? I'm not like the pagan gods who need a house in order to be honored. I am honored because of what I do in history. Including your personal history, David. And instead of you building a house for me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make out of you a house. A house that will bless the nations. Now, in promising David that his throne, his lineage will be established forever, his kingship will be established forever, Christians have always seen this as, how would I say this, an extension of the promise first made to Abraham that through you all nations will be blessed. Now, David, Abraham's descendant, is going to build upon that promise, or God's going to build upon that promise through David. Through David's household, through this forever established throne, God is going to bless the world. So, we've reached this point where God makes a promise that David is going to be established as a house himself. Now, In order to complete this promise given to David, which is an extension of the promise given to Abraham, God is going to do something radical. And in order to understand how radical it is, I want to take you back to the time of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and in the period of the judges. The time that God is referencing through the prophet Nathan as he returns his word to David. During that time, God was thought to sort of touch down on earth. Surely God was everywhere, but God touches down on earth in this place. This place called the Ark of the Covenant. And there you see those two seraphim with their wings touching on top, or two cherubim, excuse me, with their wings touching on top of the Ark. And where their wings touch is called the mercy seat. And that is thought to be the physical place God touches down on earth. So God is in a sense, though he is everywhere, dwelling in this tent called the tabernacle. A very special tent, which when the Israelites would set up camp as they were wandering, would be placed at the center of all the tribes so that God was in their midst. Well... That tent, that tent becomes an amazing symbol as we transition into the New Testament period. Because today, as we hear the angel Gabriel coming to Mary to announce something amazing is going to happen, that she will in fact bear God's son, we are being told that she will become now the house of God. If John, at the beginning of his gospel, captured this beautifully when in John 1.14 he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now that dwelling among us is deliberately meant to hearken us back to that Old Testament time when the tabernacle is at the center of all the people of God. Because the verb that we translate as 
dwelt in John 1.14, where God dwelt among us, is actually the word skenao from the Greek, which means pitched a tent. Literally, God sets up his tabernacle in our midst in the person of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, means that Jesus will be right there in the center of what it is to be a person of God from here on out. And Mary will be the first to experience this. As she says to God, let it be unto me according to your word. And she receives that overshadowing of the Holy Spirit within her womb is carried he who is greater than all the heavens. The one who carries all of heaven and earth in his hands will be the one that Mary carries in her hands eventually and suckles at her breast and snuggles close to her. In the churches of many of our Orthodox Christian brethren, you will see this icon that appears on the screen now. You'll notice that there's a sort of mantle around Jesus, which is dually symbolizes both Mary's womb and the heavens themselves. And this icon is called the Platitara, which literally means she who is more spacious than the heavens. Because she carried in her womb the one who carries heaven and earth in his hands. Now, Paul is going to use a very similar word to the word skenao. That verb that means God tabernacled in our midst. When in 2 Corinthians 12.9 he says this, he says... God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That, again, that word which is in most translations translated as, um, as a rest upon is the same word, skenao. It's actually episkenao, which is a related word. Um, that means God wants to tabernacle in us. Paul is excited about his weaknesses because his weakness gives God's power all the more ability to shine forth. No one can confuse what Paul does with Paul's own power or Paul's believing in himself, to use the modern parlance. But rather... When Paul accomplishes things that no human being would be able to accomplish, including, by the way, and probably most importantly, the conversion of anyone who hears him preaching to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is, God's power resting upon him, tabernacling within him and shining forth from him. God comes into our midst in the person of Jesus Christ because Mary greets his unexpected invitation and announcement through the angel Gabriel with the phrase, let it be unto me according to your word. But Mary is not supposed to be the only person who ever does that. She is the first 
of us. As we sing in our one hymn, which we tend to sing in September, called Ye Watchers and Ye Holy Ones, she leads our praises. She's the first disciple in a sense, but she's not meant to be the last. Each of us is meant to say to God, let it be unto me according to your word. That God's power might tabernacle within us. That God himself might tabernacle within us. That's what we mean when we talk about Jesus being in your heart or moving in the spirit. When we have that power inside of us, there is no limit to what God might do through us. Mary is the first and preeminent example, but she is not meant to be the last person to ever say to God, let it be unto me according to your word. Now, a friend of mine told me a story about this. We, I have a lot of uh, relationship to the addiction community um, through my family who has struggled with addiction. And um, a friend in that community told me this story of a person who had come into uh, this rescue mission um, and he'd been there many times before. He'd come in to get help. Things seemed to be going well, but he'd ultimately end up in the crack houses one more time. And uh, it had sort of become a cycle. They never turned somebody away at the mission, but um, they learned not to expect too much, especially when a person had been there again and again. Well, during one of the meetings that the people who come to the mission have to attend if they want to get food and shelter there, the young man simply broke down in tears. He was just overwhelmed um, by his repeated failure again and again and again. And he was crying, and one of the people who had a lot of history there and worked in the center held on to him. And he said, I don't know how it can possibly work this time when I failed so many times before. I have tried my best again and again and again and again to resist this addiction and to not get drawn back into it. I don't know how it could work this time. And the man who was, had his hands around his shoulders said to him, You've tried your best again and again and again? He said, yes, yes I have. He said, are you ready now to try it somebody else's way? Are you ready to let somebody do the work for you that you cannot possibly have the strength to do yourself? In tears, and finally humble enough to surrender, the young man said yes. His mentor in this particular place was kind enough then to share with him the story of Jesus. Not that he never heard it before, but helped him understand that the story of God with us, God tabernacling in our midst, God experiencing everything that we experience but without sin was not just a fairy tale that we told once a year near a Christmas tree, but instead was the true story of what God had done in history for him. And this young man at that moment learned that he had much more than just a higher power generically understood into whose strength he could tap. 
He had a God who had shouldered every burden he had ever shouldered and risen above it in the resurrection from the dead. He learned in that moment that in Jesus, God is not the force. God is the face. The face of Jesus Christ. We, as we wrap up our Christmas preparations, as we wrap up the final presents and put bows on things and make our phone calls and maybe deliver some goods that we've been wanting to deliver for a while, as we get to share and spread a little Christmas cheer, we need to again and again, as Luther said, revisit our baptism every day and say to God, let it be done to me according to your word. When we do that, the Spirit has more ability to work through us than if we're tightly holding onto the reins saying, I can do this, God. We should be saying to God, I don't want to build a house for you. You make a house of me. A house of, for your spirit. A house wherein Jesus dwells and through the power of your word can act in and through my life. God has done so much for us. We don't need to build him monuments. We don't need to build him a house. Rather, whatever we do for him, whether it be making a church like the one in which we sit or which I preach now, or something else we're called to do for him, we want that to be, we want that to be God's monument made of us. For only then will God's name truly be glorified in our midst. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, in you, God has tabernacled in our midst. God has pitched a tent. And when we look at you, we see the face of God. Lord, bless us to hold you before our spiritual eyes every day of our lives through your word. Let it be done to us according to your will, that we might live according to your will in the world. Make us good and faithful witnesses. Use us to glorify your name and lift you up, that all who look upon you might be healed and drawn to a saving trust in you. Lord, you have blessed us with this trust. Make us now to glorify you that others may be so blessed. This we ask in your most precious name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my life.